Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside. Oh. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now, my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Uh, obviously, the Cavs just had a really weird game against the Raptors, a fun one, uh, where they won by 45 points uh, <laughs> despite being down several key players because, boy, were the Raptors down a few more. Let's just say the Raptors would would kill for a Denzel Valentine on that roster right now. Yes, and, the uh, Raptors were basically one of the only teams in a worse position than the Cavs. I believe they yeah, were they missing. were about as wiped out. I think it was the worst, like, not no disrespect to those players, it's just like the least talented roster I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like oh, they just absolutely, had, and, and like it just wasn't. Fa- I mean, it wasn't fair. <laughs> yeah, they they were missing the first nine or ten guys out of the rotation, which is tough. Um, one of the players shared that they met some of the replacement players on the bus to the arena. Uh, they, they had not met prior to then. So yeah, it, it was definitely a, a tough situation. Yeah, Cause like uh, at least the Cavs have Darius and Kevin and Lori and Ricky, like, yeah, yeah, they had, they, you know, Justin Anderson did have to play 31 minutes, but like, it's just different when you have like that level of continuity in. Absolutely, and and I, I feel like the the universe took one from us and gave one uh, to us uh, with the Boston game. I, I felt like the Cavs were just a little too shorthanded. I think the Cavs. I, could- I was honestly considering just doing a quick like universe took versus universe gave, like calculation of of the year so far because there have been a few <laughs> where the Cavs just had no shot because the the basketball gods cursed them with injuries or COVID or whatever it might be, and then there were a few where their opponent had just no shot. I mean, I think about that Milwaukee game. I think about the Toronto game. I think the Cavs have broken around even there, which I think is pretty encouraging given, you know, that you're looking for reasons why some of these numbers aren't real. Mm -hmm. Now, these enormous blowout wins are not real. Like, yeah, that was a real net rating booster if I've ever seen one. But again, they fought in the games where they did. They were so shorthanded that it felt like they had no no chance and we're competitive so like you know that's got that feels still pretty encouraging to me yeah absolutely and I, I think what's really going to matter is what level are they playing at at the end of the year like banking some of these wins and maintaining their positioning in the standings that's really important but ultimately this team is going to be judged on how they finish this season which is a totally different standard than what I was expecting going into this year but this is where we're at um, so I think going out there, winning the games that you're supposed to win, winning kind of these freebie games and putting them in your back pocket is really important, uh, especially as a veteran Cavs fan that, that has witnessed Chris Kamen laying down on the bench, taking a snooze. I, I've seen Bro, how weird can I games. Say this? Can Go. I say this? That game to me was revenge for that game. Trey Waters absolutely murdered the Cavs in the preseason <laughs> last year. <laughs> I like that take. I like that take a lot. I didn't forget, Trey. I didn't forget. When we were down, you and the Celtics humiliated us. 
We're back, baby. <laughs> Cavs are we back. We got Trey Waters' revenge. <laughs> Long overdue, but you know what? Better late than never. But we have buried the lead. Speaking of better late than never, we buried the lead, Carter, because the biggest We news- always do, Justin. We the always do. Biggest Cavs related news is JB Bickerstaff signing an extension that will keep him with the team signed through the 2026 2027 NBA season. I was thrilled to get this news on, on Christmas. I, I would say uh, that uh, obviously the Bickerstaff household was a very happy house on Christmas, but I wouldn't call it a gift because I do think that this was something that was genuinely earned by JB. I gotta add a, an air horn sound effect to my my board. I'm I'm actually embarrassed. I don't have one because I wanted to, <laughs> to I wanted to do it and I just I didn't have anything. Yeah, I mean I definitely think it was well earned. JB has coached through some really adverse situations. To be kind, mm-hmm. in his year and a half, uh, I guess now two basically two years of coaching, um, and I think that he has really helped set a culture. And we have been begging for that for years. And I, and the other thing that's really interesting about him is like all the like little peccadillos are just starting to melt away. You know, this idea doesn't play the, the young guys. Well, he kind of does <laughs> if mm-hmm. they're, if they're good enough or if, if circumstances uh, warrant it uh, doesn't shoot enough threes. Cavs had 26 threes in the first half um, <laughs> uh, attempts in the first half against the Raptors. And and have gotten there and and oh you know not an inventive enough offense well up to thirteenth uh, with with some crampy personnel to yeah. to say the least and their shooters that haven't really shot well outside of Darius Garland and Jetty Osman mm-hmm. and a I think they're still top five in the last fifteen games so it's like what is there even to complain about at this point like I, I know there are some people that don't love JB and like. Is it just not one to change their minds? Because like all the stuff that I might have poked at him about, I just think it's all kind of melting away. And like the next fate, like I, I just feel like JB has passed the, is he a pretty good coach test mm-hmm. at this point? You know, there is another test coming, which we've seen a lot of pretty good coaches fail, which is adapting in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see how he does in that setting. But like the the kind of the culture setting, the expectation setting, the development, all of it's like they seem to be running a pretty tight ship as far as I'm concerned. So it's like I'm just really happy to have some stability in an organization that's needed some for a long time. Absolutely. And I think because I, I, I like to think of both sides of an argument. Obviously, I, I have my own biases. Uh, that's not news to anybody that's listened to this podcast. Um, but I, I think maybe where some trepidation comes is just the length, right? Like 2027, 20, um, the longevity of coaches in the NBA um, hasn't been great o- over the last Not my years. money. Uh, but you know, that's, I, I mean, that's a, a simple way to put it. But for me, one what's encouraging for me and, and why I feel good about kind of him being the, the coach of this team moving forward is that we have seen him adapt to the personnel that's there, right? As more shooting gets added, you see more wrinkles added to the offense. I would expect as Evan Mobley continues to develop as an offensive player, you're going to see more and more stuff run through him, which I, I think the foundation and the groundwork for those type of changes to the offense moving forward are being set by teaching Darius to play off ball, teaching Colin to play off ball, teaching all these guys what to do when they do and don't have the ball. I, I think it's laying a foundation for this team to evolve and to continue to modernize their offense as the players grow. But what really jumped out to me when I was thinking about this JB Bickerstaff contract extension is It's kind of a parallel to what they did with Kobe Altman in 2019 when they gave him a contract extension, where I think the messaging was, don't make your decisions based on a looming contract that's up, right? We we have confidence in you. We, We have you in this position for a reason. We are going to remove that factor from the equation. So now you can make rotation decisions. You can make uh, coaching adjustments. You can do all of these things without worrying about a contract. And I think with Kobe Altman, we saw that with taking guys that maybe need a little more time. Darius Garland coming on off a meniscus surgery. Isaac Okoro, who is raw 
offensive player versus uh, a more ready player like Obi Toppin, who, which was the conversation at the time. This year, Evan Mobley, who was thought to take more time than Jalen Suggs. I, I think you saw a more patient approach and, and making the right decision that these guys believe in. And I really feel like JB being signed throughout this period, it enables him to have confidence in his decisions to not be worrying about this being a factor as he's coaching. And the reality is a lot of coaches don't even get to survive the fact that their front offices don't always put them in the best spot. Like I think Cody right. Altman himself would tell you like, Hey, I made things pretty tough on JB with the <laughs> rosters that were out there. Cause they were young developmental teams that were basically forced to give a ton of minutes to kids who aren't quite ready to win yet. And then had a bunch of trans transitional players that were there, not because Kobe thought they would fit well around the roster, but because he was buying them for second round picks yeah. and, and in some cases, first round picks. So, you know, JB wasn't given an ideal roster. And a lot of times front offices don't have the foresight to understand that like, Hey, I'm actually, I'm actually making things kind of hard on them. <laughs> and, and those coaches <laughs> get axed anyway. Um, right. So like the fact that I think the Cavs have kind of seen like, Hey, we've seen what this guy can do behind the scenes. And now it's, turning into wins it just makes sense to extend it and again like this ain't a salary cap type of decision you know like if you're worried about longevity i just like i just think you need to find a different hobby you know like because <laughs> it's not it's not going to affect you know it, it is at least for this ownership group mm -hmm. what they're paying to the front office has never seemed to much affect what they're willing to pay for for the players it, which so like i'm just not worried about it frankly so like do i like jb yes do i want him to stick around for a long time yes mm -hmm. thus i am happy with the extension a absolutely and i also think it's a signal to the players too right which is this is our guy this is the guy that is going to be your voice in, in the locker room moving forward so you know there has to be this continued buy-in. I, I think we've seen buy-in from the veterans, from the young players. All of those guys ha have been sacrificing and doing what is asked of them of the coaching staff. And I, I think it just simplifies the message. It's, it sends stability. And the reality is, like, I, I do understand from the perspective of, okay, how, how much longevity does any coach in professional sports have right now, right? Like, you do find that there's an expiration date when it comes to a voice in a locker room. And sometimes that means moving on from a coach sometimes that means shaking things up you you'll see a, a team bring in a veteran player that hasn't won that kind of rejuvenates that that sense of uh like that hunger to go out there and win but the Cavs are a ways away from that right like right now all of their goals are internal and they're all aligned too right like Every player on the team, all these young guys want to get better. JB is someone that they have confidence in to help them get better. That They, they believe in the messaging that's there. And I, I think that's the absolute most important thing because, yes, it's possible that the voice grows stale at some point in the future. That might mean roster shakeups. That might mean bringing in new perspective. It might mean adjustments from JB Bickerstaff. But I, I think it's premature to worry about those sort of things and just kind of focus on, okay, we now have a lot more confidence and a better understanding of what the foundation of this team is. Kobe Altman is the general manager. J.B. Bickerstaff is the head coach moving forward. We know we have at least three cornerstone pieces in Garland, Allen, and Mobley. And we have a ton of really promising prospects that go along with them that fit well with them. So I, I think it's, it's another symbol that... This team has found some sense of stability. They found an identity. And, and I, I like to see that rewarded. I, I think it sends a good message up and down the locker room that you buy in. If you're a part of what we're trying to build and, and you do the right things, you're going to get rewarded. Yeah. And watch it. Waj in the chat just mentioned feels like they wouldn't have made this move if the players, especially the core, didn't love him. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree. I mean, Darius Carlin called him a father figure for this <laughs> roster. Like the much maligned, like obviously my brain immediately goes to the Kyrie LeBron thing. Yeah. Where, you know, but like when it's being offered up by the player, like, hey, this is a person I trust. When mm -hmm. you say, you don't say someone's a father figure lightly. Yeah. Um, you know, that means that's a person that you trust, you know, uh, to, to, you know, both on and off the court. And, and that kind of trust is hard won, you know, mm -hmm. I, 
players have a lot of these players have played for a lot of coaches, you know, and, and have been kind of you know th- through the ring. Even the, the ones new to the process. NBA that that exactly. have been with the Cavs, like Colin Sexton exactly. has played for I a lot mean, of coaches. over the course of their life. Their <laughs> high school coaches, their AAU coaches. Yeah. you know, like that that bond is something really special. So, like, I don't think that Darius would say something like that lightly. Mm-hmm. And again, it just speaks to the culture that they're that they're putting together, which is this is uh, kind of a family atmosphere. And I and by the way, I do think that Kobe Altman needs to consider that culture as he looks to tinker. You yeah. know, the, this has been a great tinkering GM. He's always kind of looking for that next move. He's always making kind of these fractional upgrades around the roster. Now that the team is pretty darn good, mm-hmm. I think we can actually say they're good. And now that, you know, the, the, the ex- expectation is becoming winning, it is a lot more of a challenging job because he's got to figure out not only does this move make us better on the basketball court, but is it going to mess up that mojo? Is it going to change the fact that we are currently greater than the sum of their parts? Like mm-hmm. maybe you get 10% better on talent, but 10% worse on synergy and it's a it's a net wash or even a net loss because now players kind of feel like oh I thought we were a family so it's it's a whole challenge I mean we literally saw this happen to Danny Ainge and the Celtics yeah where and obviously you know it was was hurt and you know there was a lot of a lot of contributing factors around that that made things harder but ultimately play, this group of young kids that were like oh yeah we got this together we're like, oh wait, we're we're all available to be traded whenever, mm-hmm. and like that's a challenging thing for a GM to navigate because you also can't rest on your laurels uh, yeah. when you're, uh, especially heading into next season. I think this year is going to be the found money season the rest of the way, but like heading into next year with real expectations on the team, he's got to ride that line of we have this beautiful kind of balance and this chemistry and this identity versus chasing upgrades for the roster to try to take that next step. And I'm really fascinated to see what kind of you know way, what kind of part of the spectrum he leans on. I'm I'm fascinated by that as well, and I, I think you're bringing up really interesting points when when you talk about considering kind of the culture and the locker room energy, right? Like the the, the mood of the locker room when you're making a move, right? Um, it's interesting to me to monitor how this next generation of NBA players kind of behaves because they're guys that grew up watching. ESPN at post decision and kind of the backlash to moves made by LeBron by Kevin Durant and all these guys. I'm really interested to see kind of how they approach these decisions as they mature as players, right? Like, did they get sick of it the same way some fans did? Do they approach team building and really buy into, hey, like a a team is a family and whatnot? Like, I I really feel like the next evolution of player empowerment is just consulting players more. Like, everyone understands that this is a business, but making them involved, at least the ones that you're invested in, making it a collaborative process of, okay, this is kind of what we're thinking. We're upfront and honest about you with what our expectations expectations are when you're with the team, uh, what our goals are as an organization and and what adjustments we're looking to make that sort of thing and involving the players. I I think that that's going to be a really interesting dynamic. There's going to be a give and take between uh, front offices and the the players themselves. So uh, how that plays out and how it plays out with the Cavs is really interesting because they did a great job uh, from my perspective of bringing players together that already had some relationships off the court that are all hard workers that seem to get along well. They like basketball helps to like basketball. That really like basketball. I, I was watching the uh, the road back. Uh, there there was a new episode that dropped. Uh, I, I would encourage everyone to watch it because it, it was great. But even someone like Colin Sexton, like he, he's working his ass off, uh, rehabbing and whatnot. You, you hear all the players like still talking about how they want to have him around. How how he's still a really valued member of the team and whatnot. Like that's just such a special thing, and it's not something that I want to take for granted. And, and as we approach this trade season, like. It gives me conflicted feelings when when you look at, okay, what are the options out there? You have to weigh, like, I'm at the point where if you have to debate whether or not something is an upgrade to the roster, I don't have an interest in it because I I think you'd be sacrificing the culture. Like, if you're taking a real swing and it's just a very clear upgrade and what you are giving it up to make that on-court upgrade is future assets and whatnot... I'm willing to to listen to that, to, to kind of see how that plays out and whatnot. Uh, but even something like what we had talked about before the season, like a Jetty Osman for Terrence Ross type swap. I don't think Ross is better than Jetty Osman. 
and even and even if he is i just don't think it's worth it from a from a from a chemistry standpoint right and like and it's worth noting as well like i'm sure if there were any you know more generalist nba listeners that were listening to this pod checking in on the caps i think some of them might be rolling their eyes at this kind of talk Mm-hmm. You know, like this, this, this culture, like they'll, they would probably say what culture, you know, they didn't have a culture until this year, yeah. you know, cause that is a, a fallacy. A lot of people fall into, and I've, you know, I've teased other writers for falling into it. It was like, oh, you have a culture when you're good. And then when you're bad, you don't have a culture anymore. <laughs> and like, so, so I get it, but like, and, and, you know, maybe two, three years down the road after, you know, some of the sheen has worn off the, the tenor of the conversation is going to be different, but right now, like the, we we can only like want to make decisions for you know based on the information we have right now. Yeah, and the information we have right now is that this team loves each other, mm-hmm. that they are killing teams. They've won. <laughs> they really are by like an average of twenty points a game in their last eleven wins. So it's like I'm just not in any hurry for these marginal upgrades, and even like those like mid level upgrades really give me pause. So it's just exciting. And one thing, one final kind of buttoned you know, to put on this JB combo is now that he is signed for the long term, I really hope that Kobe is working very closely with him as they have make these kind of hard decisions about roster building moving forward. Because the reality is your GM's never gonna really understand the pulse of the locker room quite mm-hmm. like the head coach. Yeah. So like I, I hope that they're working pretty closely in tandem with one another, knowing that like, hey, any move, you know, this is a delicate ecosystem that they've got built right now. Because, yeah. again, I don't think they're winning on obscene talent. Right. I think they've got some very talented players, but I don't I don't watch games going. They are just, like, overwhelming teams by how much better individually every player is. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're going to upset that ecosystem, you better do your homework. So yeah. I, I really do hope that Kobe and JB continue to develop that collaborative relationship moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like we are dancing around the latest rumor, which was Woj reporting. Yeah, that, let's talk about it. I, yeah, we weren't going to talk about it. Uh, I, unless we, I had it unless so we far heavy, down on the think, topic list, but I think we got to we got to hit on it just because we're so on top of it right now. And, and also, yeah, the 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 conversation just kind of naturally went there. Uh, but yeah, it's the Woj report that the Cavs are a team to watch to become reengaged with Ben Simmons. Which I mean, that language alone kind of says it all. Where uh, a team to watch to possibly become reengaged <laughs> with Ben Simmons. Like I, there, there's so much hedging and messaging. You never know where that information is coming from. And, and whatnot and um i i know i had said on, on the podcast uh, yeah just a couple just, weeks ago. just to cut through it let's just remind everyone that rumors can come from a lot of different sides of the aisle yeah. just because the calves are being mentioned does not mean that the calves are the ones that are dishing what woes this info mm-hmm. like I, it might mean that but i i just think it's really important to remind people of the games that get played via reporters like Woj. I think that is a good addition. What I was going to say is uh, a couple weeks ago, like I, I think my stance was now that we know that we have kind of this core three, that they work really well together and whatnot. I I feel like there's less of a need to take a risk and swing for someone like Ben Simmons, who I'm incredibly high on uh, just in general as a player. It's gone down uh, as this season has played out, um, just the, the way that everything has been handled and whatnot. And the other reason why I I'm more down on on the possibility is in theory, there's kind of two schools of thought. One that Ben Simmons can play as a point guard. He can run kind of a heliocentric offense and whatnot. The other school of thought is he can be a souped up Draymond Green playing at the power forward. And two of our cornerstones occupy those roles, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. So, my, I would have a lot of skepticism if something like that were to materialize with Ben Simmons. Um, I, I just don't know how it would work out. I would maybe have like I would be a skeptic, but you have to kind of give the front office some benefit of the doubt at this point. But really, I, I just don't see a, a fit. Um, but at the same time, I'm also not too concerned because I, I feel like the Cavs would probably be outbid in any Ben Simmons trade. Like it's, it's a tricky situation. I just don't see the, I, I, it's just not as attractive to me as much as I want a big playmaker. He is such a complicated player and such a unique player. And 
such a potential threat to the ecosystem and what they have going on. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that move. Well, I, I do know how I feel about it. It'd be concerned. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I like it. Um, I, I think that you have to look at it from a couple different angles. One mm. angle is, is the culture. The Cavs have built themselves around dudes who are selfish, selfless, Jesus, yeah, that work super duper hard on, on expanding their games mm-hmm. and that love basketball. Yeah. And if you hear dings about Ben Simmons, it's that like, you know, you hear it on pods like Rosillo and the things like, you know, he'll be like, hey, you know, I always hear from people, don't trust the, the workout vids that Simmons is posting. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, Maybe a little bit uh, love it, love it, love of the fame, not love of the game. Uh, to yeah. steal from our uh, our light years friends, uh, I just worry that culturally he's not a great fit. So then you go, okay. At some point, you might need to sacrifice your culture for talent upgrades, okay, and for for fit upgrades and for to solve for team needs. I don't think he solves any needs that the Cavs have because they need shot creation. They don't just need big playmaking; they need big shot creation. Mm-hmm from those bigs uh, when, when teams are, are blitzing Darius with length and Evan's game isn't quite, uh, quite set yet. They need spacing. He cannot provide that at all. And I've seen some people uh, in, in our discord say stuff like, well, Coro can't shoot right now. There is a difference. I'm sorry between a player who at least stands at the three point line and is a threat to shoot an attempt and Ben Simmons w- won't shoot is very different than a bad shooter. Like it, yes. it just is. And the reality is it's very, like we've said with many things, Simmons is an extreme example of this. It's tough to make the money work. Like it's tough to make the money work without including bigger contracts like a Laurie Markinen or a Ricky Rubio guys that the subtraction of them. And it yeah, would you take, have to, it would take multiple parts, which but makes even if you just shallow. added them, like yeah. even if you just add them, let's just say in okay. a crazy world, we had we traded Okoro for Simmons and Simmons was there tomorrow, okay? And whatever draft capital, whatever. But like you just unplug Isaac and plug in Ben, okay? Mm. Like I still just feel like there are so many things you have to sacrifice and change. For example, the Mobley Allen forward center pairing, I just don't think works with someone at the three that cannot sh- and will not shoot. Um, I think I think it is devastating for that pairing offensively, which has worked so much better than we thought on the backs of their interior passing ability. Mm-hmm. That that gets gummed up even further with Ben Simmons on the floor, and yeah. I think personally that that foundation, that four or five, found is a foundational pairing for them, mm-hmm. an identity setting pairing for them, just as much as Darius Garland. They can do everything else they're doing on the floor because those two can share the floor together. So all of a sudden, if you add a player that makes it so those two can't share the floor any bit or together as well as they were, then, okay, that's fine. You might be able to find a new identity with Simmons Mobley or Simmons Allen or whatever the, the new, pe- the new groupings are, but you're not, you don't have it as much of a sure thing as we're, we've seen now evidence minute on minute on minute of those two being someone being a group that really can change the tenor of this team moving forward. I'm just not eager to break it up for a guy who is in his career been much more of a floor raiser than a ceiling raiser. Absolutely. The floor is already getting high. I don't need more. I I'm trading for ceiling raisers. If I'm Kobe Altman at this point, I I mean, any player combination right now, has just an absurd net rating because the the Cavs have just consistently been good and their foundation pieces make it so that you can play weird guys like Laurie Markinen at the three. I I, I don't, I I shouldn't say weird guy. I I don't know. Weird weird fits. He he might be a weird guy. He might be fun weird. You never know. Come on the podcast, Laurie. Um, But you know, like you you can do weird fits. You you can kind of, it affords you the opportunity for Isaac Okoro to work through some of his offensive issues because the defense is so damn good that it buys you those opportunities. So uh, it, it's a tricky thing. Uh, this is one of those situations where I am grateful, even though we are uh, affiliated with the Cavs, that we don't get information because, my goodness, like, I... I I, I like that we can keep the podcast where it's at and whatnot. Like we can continue kind of speculating and, and kind of figuring this stuff out. Do, do um, I think that when it's worth noting, just to, we've, I think we both come in pretty hard on the, on the, we're not super big fans of trading for Simmons. Yeah. I don't think that trading for Simmons makes them worse. 
I just am not interested in seeing this team be that different because he would make them so different. It's certainly tricky. And one of the complicated things when it comes to the NBA is you don't have control over the talent that becomes available to you, right? Whether it's the draft, free agency, or on the trade market. Um, The star players that become available on the trade market, there's usually a reason for it. Um, When you are in position to draft guys, sometimes it's not exactly an ideal fit, but you take the the best talent available and you try to find ways to make it work. I think Mobley and Allen is an example of that. So it it is a difficult decision. Um, The one thing I'll note, though, is us being in the dark here, like I, 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 there's a bit of a trend. Every time the Cavs have traded for somebody, we had no idea it was coming beforehand. Like there was no month long build up. And, and, and or, worth noting, we don't get too many sources, but when we do hear, we do hear rumblings every now and again. And we have not heard every Cavs move has been a surprise. It like Andre Drummond. JaVale McGee, Ricky Rubio, Jared Allen, Laurie Markkinen. Like, none of these things were were things that were even, like, that there was an inkling out there. There wasn't even, like, a Twitter rumor out there. Like, complete blindside. It's hilarious. It's a lot of fun when we do the reaction podcast. I'm still bitter that you didn't let me do a JaVale McGee reaction podcast because I was so hyped up. But just the fact that the Cavs have kind of run such a tight ship when it comes to stuff like this it makes me skeptical anytime something like this comes out i i would be far like if i had to make an assumption on a ben simmons move i would assume that maybe the Cavs get involved as a third team historically that's kind of what happens when when there are these bigger trades but it's just so hard to make the money work um it would require so many pieces and making a team that's already runs a pretty shallow rotation even more shallow so you you know what like i i'm i'm glad that we address this but at the same time like i i just don't see how it works out like i i i would expect another team to come in with a higher bid i i would expect some concerns o- over the fit uh long term uh w- with ben simmons and, and kind of the core pieces and whatnot there, there's just too many yeah. variables and, and factors for me to even give it a whole lot of brain thought beyond this. And and the reality is if you want a guy like Simmons, even in a depressed trade market, you're going to have to pay a premium. And Mm -hmm. like, I just don't see the point in that. Like, you know, if a player like that falls into your lap, it's just different. You know, Jared Allen falling into the Cavs lap, you know, not, not to discount the work Kobe did, but like they didn't have to give up much to take a shot at a guy like Jared Allen. So like it's just it's just fundamentally different, and I'd much rather same, same keep with Andre their Drummond. Dry. Like they they yeah. took a chance on Andre Drummond. I still think it w- would have been interesting if COVID didn't shorten that season. I, I thought things were starting to click there. Um, but you know what? Like that that was a smart gamble to make, and the the cost was low enough, right? Where you're giving up John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second round pick. Like that isn't going to be a franchise crippling move, and. I, you have to be really careful when you do kind of push all your chips to the middle of the table on who you're doing it for or how what level of confidence you have. And, and I would expect the Cavs to be able to make an informed decision, too, because you are talking about a clutch client. Uh, it seems like the team has a good relationship. Darius Garland works out with Ben Simmons in the offseason. Like, I feel like they'd be able to get a re- better read and make a more informed decision than we would be able to make. I, I'm just because this rumor came back up. I thought it was worthwhile to discuss because I, I certainly would have a lot of skepticism with uh, a Ben Simmons trade. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think we did like we backed into discussing it, but I think it's, it was still an important discussion for us to have. Mm-hmm. With that said, let's talk about guys that are on the roster and maybe even some guys who might not be on the roster for too long. Obviously, the Cavs have been playing a lot of folks who were not in their rotation. Yep. Uh, prior and some that weren't even on the team uh, as of late in both the uh, Celtics and this Raptors blowout. Raptors blowout was a little bit more fun and a little bit more even even footed, at least for those rotation for those for those kind of replacement players. What do you think of, of, of the newbies? You know what? I I thought it was a, a good performance from them. I, I thought the Raptors game was a lot of fun. I got some angry texts from my Raptors fan dad uh, who, who didn't like Denzel Valentine showboating at the half oh. after getting the steal <laughs> and the dunk. So he, he wanted a little more humility out of the boys. But you know what? Like a lot of these guys, like they have worked so hard 
for these opportunities. And I, I think that's kind of the, if I have to look at a silver lining with, with the weirdness that's hitting the NBA, it's a whole lot of dudes that have worked hard in the G League looking to earn an opportunity. Justin Anderson, a guy that hasn't really had a jump shot uh, for the last few years, and, and that's kind of been one of the things that's held him back, seems to be showing indications that he, he has a jumper. Uh, you had mentioned when we were discussing him last night that he's probably lost a little bit of athleticism. Yeah, um, I feel like he used to be a little bouncier. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Like, I, I like the minutes he was giving them. Uh, it's nice to He's see an big. extended look from Nemhard as well. I, I thought he, he looked like a, a player that understand understood what he was doing. And I, I think that's the benefit of coming from the charge where uh, you're, you're running the same system and whatnot. He was making kind of the right plays. He's quick. Um, but you know what? Like, just six, the six fact- assists, I think it was. In yeah. his very limited minutes, like he actually had some good playmaking chops. I thought Nimhard really jumped out for me mm-hmm. um, because when he's played, he's gotten less garbage time than most on this team. I think a lot of those, and I think mostly it's just been luck. You yeah. know, the, in in a lot of the games where they have been in some pretty serious garbage time, he's just happened to be down with the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, nice and, voice crack. Yeah, I know. Uh, I have to sorry, call that but, out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, but like, you know, when he, he's shown little bursts of like competence and like he, he likes to shoot at least in the G league, like he gets some, he gets his threes up. He didn't take any in the game, but I really liked his minutes though. He only played 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought he played well, but I, I'm just happy that they're getting this opportunity. I thought it was nice to see Kevin Pangos get a, a little bit more of an extended run. Like he looked more comfortable out there, uh, like actually comfortable playing basketball. It, it wasn't like he he was. And again, to, to give you credit for a point you made last night, it was wasn't like he was coming in in the fourth quarter trying to protect the lead. Like it was so out of hand. That yeah, he was just playing basketball, which he, I feel he, like he, he hasn't really played. To just play. Yeah, yeah. I, I do not think he's just been playing ball. Mm-hmm. I, I totally I, agree. And and uh, I thought his playmaking was good. He was taking the right shots. Only two of six threes. But you know what? Like, uh, that's not a guy that I, I have any questions about his, his ability to shoot. No. Um. But yeah, he he looked good out there. So I, I thought it was encouraging signs. Like, there, there's not a whole lot you can take away from it. But I do like that in a game where basically every defensive player for the Cavs was out, um, whether it's Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, all, all those guys were out with maybe the exception of Ricky Rubio, uh, that the replacement guys were coming in and they were playing hard. And sure, yeah, you're playing a I team mean, that doesn't have a whole lot of chemistry or time together or a lot of NBA players even. But I, I, I did like that, you know what, at least there's some continuity. At least you're seeing the little cracks and, and the light shining through of the Cavs identity, even with so many players in the health and safety protocols. Yeah, I, I did. I did really like watching these guys play. I thought Justin Anderson did have a really nice game on both sides of the ball. Plus thirty-one in his thirty-one minutes, which are is a ton of minutes for a guy like that. Shooting pretty confidently from both wings from three, um, four dimes, five boards. I thought he played a good game. He looked like an NBA player out there. Yep. And we said this. We had we got a question. I think it was on our last pod. It might have been the one before. Yeah, it was where where someone basically says, "Hey, do you think Justin Allen, uh, Anderson might?" play well enough that he might take you know denzel valentine's spot not after last game denzel <laughs> was you know a man on fire but like you know we we kind of said that some of these guys i think are going to earn their shot around the league mm-hmm. or even earn this sh- a shot back with the team like if the Cavs were to make a three for one deal like justin anderson's a guy who's like okay you want to be our 10th 11th 12th man not the worst thing in the world so obviously super small sample size but like the, I think it's it is fun getting to see these guys kind of showcase their skill. But by the way, your tweet when the Mavericks signed Charlie Brown and you quote tweeted it with "Oh brother," <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard. That was one of your best. You you uncorked like just an effortless A plus tweet, and I was very proud of you. It, it was like a Denzel Valentine corner three. Uh, as soon as it touched my hands, I, I was letting that thing go. Yeah, I, I think that's a really smart point. And that's probably something we're going to see around the NBA is 
just a reminder of how much talent is in the G League and how much talent is available, it might make teams more willing to do consolidation moves. It, it, it's at least something that's going to be in the background of their heads, uh, just an understanding that, hey, we can make moves because there is replacement talent available. I, I think it's a great showcase for the G League uh, and, and just how hard those guys work. So I, I, I do think there are benefits. And you know me, I, I'm always looking for the upside, uh, even if it's not directly related to my team. I'm, I'm trying to find the positive in everything. So I, I do think that it's a really good opportunity. And it does seem like, at least with the Cavs, it's probably going to be a shorter opportunity for some of these guys because the NBA did make some changes to their COVID protocols. Uh, the NBA shortens quarantining to six days if testing shows they are no longer at risk to be infectious based on the viral load. Uh, this probably comes based off the change of the CDC recommendations of five-day isolation to people if they are asymptomatic. Um, so obviously it depends. Every single situation is different, uh, whether or not a player is asymptomatic. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to be coming back after six days because someone like Isaac Okoro, who was out of protocols, was not eligible to play against the Raptors because he hadn't passed the conditioning test. So um, there, there's still a lot of unknown and a lot of variables that go into a player's return. But it is interesting now that that uh, kind of quarantine period for NBA players has gone down from 10 to 6 days. And kind of backtracking that and looking at some of the casts that are in health and safety protocols, we, we can probably start to see some of these guys return to the lineup this week. Yeah, and it's really, really exciting. And it's a complicated conversation, right? Because you don't want anyone to get sick. Mm-hmm. But if if the league was gonna have a COVID problem this year, and players, a lot of players were gonna contract the virus, and you know, obviously uh, hoping for everyone to have very minimal or no symptoms at all. Yeah. So with all that couching and obvious obvious stuff aside, that you still have to kind of make clear, a big mass outbreak that kind of messes things up for two weeks mm-hmm. is or three weeks, especially with these new guidelines is about as good as you're going to get. I mean, a lot of these organizations, a lot of these rosters are basically walking out of this with herd immunity. Yeah. I mean, uh, the only three players on, I guess there's four is Pangos, Wade, Garland, Rubio. Uh, I think maybe. those are the four maybe. that I, either way, like a lot of these rosters are, have already kind of taken the brunt of this on the chin. And like, I think it really will, you know, with, with that, you know, increased immunity post, having covid you know it it should kind of clear the way obviously a lot of people have grumped about the quality of play that has been on the floor i just i just feel like it's kind of the best the best road you know Mm -hmm. like short of like a crazy amount of cancellations and stuff like that and we don't have to get too far into it but ultimately i do think that it, it we're going to see really good basketball the rest of the way even though this you know two three week period has really stunk like there's no way around it but like i do see the light at at the end of the of the prospective NBA tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I'm inclined to agree with you because I, I think what's happening to the NBA isn't isolated to the NBA. Like this is the world as a whole. Like uh, we're, we're seeing La, really dramatic. I mean, we're seeing really I, I, dramatic. I'm quarantining spikes. with my daughter right now. Cause we had a, we had an exposure luckily right. not, not in the house, but like it's everywhere right now. Right. And, and I, I mean, like it's you kind of hope that it's just a, a really big, bad, dramatic strike uh, spike, I should say, um, that's short lived. And I'm hopeful that it will be short lived and we are going to see good basketball moving forward because th- there's there's a lot of interesting matchups and it's probably not going to break out fair for every single team like games lost versus games won in, in this situation. There's there's no real way to do that. The thing about professional sports, the only thing fairness that exists is the fact that you get another game whether it's this year or next year you, you get another opportunity to go out there and win the games that are ahead of you so um, can, can i uh can i read out a before we move off this can i read out a pretty crazy stat that i just saw go for it it was tweeted this morning so it's probably old news to you because you catch everything way before i do <laughs> but uh by t- starting tonight the nba will set a new record for number of pl- active players in a season <laughs> Wow, that have I actually haven't up. seen that. Yeah, that's, they, a, that's very fun. There were 540 uh, in 2021, which was the the prior high matching uh, 2018, and we're already at 539 heading into tonight, um, <laughs> which is you know like we're at the midway point in the season, which is pretty crazy. So like 
yeah, it's uh, it, it it's wild. It's it's different. It's not the way we would do it, but like it it's also like it, you know most of these teams that have been just ravaged are gonna be getting right relatively soon. And yeah. you know, I don't. I mean, I mean Trey that... Trey Young's back. Uh, he he's yeah. playing tonight. Uh, the Cavs are going to play uh, the Hawks later this week. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm hoping both teams are relatively healthy for that. Yeah, because uh, that's going to be a really exciting matchup. A lot and of I the don't best... think any seasons have been derailed. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, there were seasons last year that I think just straight up got ruined by COVID. Yeah, I, I think the Raptors I feel bad for because they got straight up kind of hit last year with COVID. And this year they fell off after OG Ananobi went down with a hip issue. And he just came back to the lineup and then got COVID. And it almost it reminds me of Dylan Windler, who finally got his opportunity to play, landed Poor on guy. his head and then got COVID. Like just the worst luck possible but like that's that's the type of thing that's really hurting toronto as they're looking to compete for the play-in but i agree like just because it is so widespread around the nba um you hope that it kind of breaks out to even but you know i if they can at least get healthy for for the rest of the season uh we still have over half the year ahead of us i'm really intrigued to see how it goes and a lot of the most meaningful matchups for the Cavs are still ahead of them uh i said before we recorded that the Cavs play chicago three times this year um still left three times uh this year uh that's going to be really really important for standings and positioning uh they play atlanta obviously the postponed game and then a game later this week like a lot of these matchups that are going to matter Matter a ton for positioning are coming later in the year so my hope is that both teams are on both sides of these games are healthy and that we can I, actually I, use them as a litmus test and and, and get some information from those games yeah I, th- I think we're getting close to normal and i'm really excited but we're almost into the new year it's wild to think we're not at the halfway point yet because it feels like we've had so much basketball already yeah um but you know what are you kind of looking for heading in heading into the new year? Like, do we expect this team to kind of continue tracking up, tracking, holding steady? Do we expect any dips? Like, where do, where do you kind of see this team, pro, you know, progressing as they get healthy? I I think they're going to continue trending up. Like, there there may be aspects of the team that have some sort of natural regression, but I think they're insulated from that by the fact that the schedule is getting so much easier. They are going to have the easiest schedule from here on out uh, the the rest of this year, just because so many of those tough games were front-loaded. So I think it's a really good opportunity from them. And what I'm looking for is what I talked about a little earlier when we were talking about the evolution of J.B. Bickerstaff and his offense. You would expect young guys to get better as the season progresses. Historically speaking, looking at guys like Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, um, these are guys who their best times of every season they've played so far are the back half. I want to see what that growth looks like from those individual players, see if we get more internal growth. And as that growth comes, assuming that it does, what this coaching staff does with the talent that they have, because it's going to be ever-evolving talent. I think we started to see that stretch where Mobley was scoring about 20 points per game, uh, seeing him kind of use more as an offensive focal point to create for himself and others. I want to see if that growth starts to become more and more frequent, if those high-watermark games for the young players become more frequent, and what the coaching staff does with the talent that they have. Yeah, it'll be fun watching this team which you know you could the charitable inter or the least charitable interpretation of what those players have done late in the season is that the other teams are starting to shut it down a bit it's possible and and those guys have gotten to kind of heat up what are they gonna look like when they're competing for a playoff spot against teams that have shut it down a bit yeah. <laughs> you know like like the, you kind of can earn some really easy wins late in the year so it just feels like they're gonna keep getting better and like i keep like trying to adjust my brain to what their final record is going to be. And it's if they trend the way they've been trending and they stay healthy, could, could they win 50 games? Oh my God. You know, like we're, we're sitting here 20 wins. Like that is more than they won the, the first two years of the rebuild. And obviously shortened season was one of them, but man, they, it doesn't feel completely outlandish, which itself feels outlandish, right? Like uh, the the fact that that we're discussing that possibility. To five, me, five thirty eight is projecting the Cavs to finish forty seven and thirty five. By the way, man, 
it, it's it's going to be maybe closer than I, I, I'm thinking right now. Like they're they're in a really good position to do that, and, and my focus has been more on the standings themselves and, and kind of where they're going to land within that versus a, a win total. Um, but maybe I should start thinking about win totals a little bit more. Like that that hasn't even been a thought that's crossed my mind because the only win total I've had focus on was that over underline because twenty six and a half. I think I, you can uh, you can rest easy, my friend. I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be cashing in on that uh, before the end of January. So, um, you know what? You, you want to hear some other numbers from our dear friends at, uh, at 538? Go for it. Uh, what percent playoff chance do you think they have? 93%. 83%. But still pretty good. The haters, I, I'm taking this as a slight, Carter. The, the fact that they have us at 83%, I'm taking it as a slight. Now, here's what I'm trying to understand. In the current discourse, does playoff mean just getting into the final eight, or does it mean top six? Like, is play-in a different number? I, I think they're probably factoring in the existence of the play-in, because if you drop to seven and eight, there's a possibility that you lose those two games and drop out, um, which at that point, I think we decided that you are not a playoff team, because the Golden State Warriors did miss the playoffs last year with Steph Curry and two max players in Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins, and I don't think we should ever let that slide. Yeah, I don't think we should either. By the way, I was I was fiddling around with 538, and much in the spirit of this podcast, parroting stats that make our team look better that we don't understand, you have an option to choose your forecast based on Raptor player rankings. That's what I was reading off. I don't know what Raptor means. Or you can uh, show Raptor their playoff mean uh, Raptor playoff ranking is player. the metric that determines how likely you are to crap the bet in the playoffs. Oh Jesus, you're annoying. Thank you. But the other option is the Elo forecast, and I've heard of Elo before, but I still don't know what it means. What are the Cavs' percentages of making the playoffs there? And what is the, let, give me their projected record? Their projected chance of making the playoffs and their chance of making the finals. Just, on just give it to me. I'm I'm not here to play this game. Fifty-one and thirty-one projected record. Ooh. A ninety-four percent chance of making the playoffs and an eighteen percent chance of making the finals. Cavs Warriors five baby. People keep talking Let's about how this it. is. People keep talking about how this is the Eastern Conference Warriors and the next dynasty on, on the Be- come up. Many people are saying. They really are, uh, and I'm excited to be a part of that. I am Let's absolutely go. excited to be a part of that. And then, and then the question becomes: Do we get rings if they win? That, that's that's the real thing, Carter. That that's that's the logical next part. There, of there's no way any right? Cavs employees are are still listening at this point in the live, but <laughs> but just just quietly let us know yes or no. We won't tell anyone. Blink we'll twice. keep it to ourselves. Twice, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just blink twice on the next weekly call if we if we yeah. get rings. I, I mean, they have like a whole year and a half to figure that out, right? Like, I, I think let's let's be realistic. It would be the yeah, it's probably next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let's 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 We're stay a little pocket. bit grounded. Here We're out of pocket. We got a wrap. We're being stupid now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if everyone is still listening and enjoying our stupidity, I appreciate you. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Click that notification bell so when you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs.